Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Hello, folks. Welcome back to the Friday WP Tonic Roundtable. I am Kim Schivler playing Jonathan Denwood today, if you see my name listed in our Zoom. It's episode 274 of WP Tonic, and I'm going to let this great team introduce themselves. Sally, I'm starting with you. All right. My name is Sally Getch. I am a WordPress consultant and develop themes on the Genesis framework, and I'm the organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup in Oakland, California. Chris? My name is Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, which is a plugin for creating and selling online courses and making membership sites. I'm also extremely obsessed with course creation and membership sites in general, and I run a podcast on that topic called LMS Cast. Thank you. Mendel, welcome back. Hey, thanks a lot. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. Uh, I'm Mendel. I work GoDaddy and do community stuff and, um, and uh, bring, bring the community's ideas and thoughts back to our organization to make positive change in our company. Um, I also, by the way, just want to let you know that I just got an email from Alexa telling me that Alexa can now um, help you rap um, or something like that. So, uh, yeah, I think you probably need to consult Alexa, John. Um, anyway. Oh, burn. Sorry. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. That was a long intro. Oh, and John Locke. I'm John Locke, and uh, I do SEO for manufacturing firms. There you go. All right. So maybe sometime we'll have to talk about Alexa's boombox help or whatever she does. Um, I've heard she cackles. I've heard this weird thing about the laughing. Have you heard that? I, I've heard it. I mean, I don't have an <clears throat> Amazon Echo, so I have not um, witnessed it happening, but I have seen news items about it. I've seen news items about it. I don't have those kind of things, but I've seen news items about it. I will say I have a smart house that's an older smart house. My friend built this house, and it was the smart house of the 14 years ago version. And the automatic lights, you know, that are triggered to where you could plug in and do it from your phone and all. Sometimes if there's a power surge, they come on in the middle of the night whenever they wish. And that's kind of interesting when you're like laying in bed and the kitchen light goes on. You're like, oh my God. What is this? Yes, that could be a little alarming. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I hear they don't do that anymore. All right, let's get right to our news stories for the day. And we're going to start with the, let's see, did I just find it? With the, how will Gutenberg affect the enterprise? We are going to talk about Gutenberg some today, the enterprise, and then the, the themes and the discussion around the themes. So, John Locke, start us off with your thoughts on this article, please. Well, definitely. Uh, for those who have been living underneath a rock, Gutenberg is the new editing experience that's going to get rolled into uh, WordPress 5.0 at some indeterminate date. And uh, the agency crowd favorite who deals with a lot of enterprise clients, they wrote this article. And uh, a lot of it, it 
basically says to me, like the, the big underlying theme that I got out of this article is um, enterprise companies, they don't like risk. Uh, they move slowly, uh, especially when it comes to digital things because uh, risk aversion is, is the primary uh, importance. With Gutenberg, we're all kind of in the same boat. We kind of have a general idea of what it's going to be when it's a finished product, but this next uh, iteration is basically going to be a beta of, of where they want the editing experience to go. Um, the big message that, that Karim was saying, uh, Karim Mar Marucci, uh, the uh, leader of Crowd Favorite here, is that this is a planning problem, uh, not necessarily a technical one. So any organization that has a site that's built on WordPress needs to be aware of Gutenberg. Um, and then also any agencies, uh, consultants, or even internal teams that are working with it, they need to have a kind of a plan of uh, making sure that everything uh, is going to function correctly once the switch gets flipped. The big thing, the big iteration uh, statement here is, is basically making sure that there's a plan in place, making sure that somebody's on top of this, and uh, making sure that, you know, when when this gets rolled into WordPress that, that nothing uh, goes sideways. Uh, and, and the there is one line in here too that, that stuck out to me and I, I can't remember it word for word, but you know, basically it, if you've already built your site on WordPress and a lot of us use WordPress as well to build sites, um, this is something that we all kind of have to deal with together, but technology changes. So it's always changing. So it's normal. Thank you. Well, also, you mentioned that it interests me that, you know, it's the planning issue. I think a lot of times in our community, we get wrapped up in the technical issues and we forget that businesses really care about solving a business problem. They don't actually care about what we're digging into technically. They want it to work. So we need to make sure we're planning, et cetera, to make sure it works for them because that's just not what they dig out on, especially if you're talking to a C-level executive in an enterprise. They really don't care about our technology that much, as much as it may hurt our feelings. Uh, Mendel, your thoughts on this article? Oh, I've got an opinion. Listen, I'm, I'm going to give the, the non-PC version of, of Kareem's uh, article um, or, or response. Um, and this, this is going to be messed up, but, uh, and I'm sorry, um, Gutenberg isn't a big deal. Uh, it's, it's not, it's, 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 um, it's a change to a piece of software, um, that you get more billable hours for teaching your clients about it's, it's, um, it's, it's something that, uh, that is, that is changing to make a piece of software, um, uh, presumably better. Um, if it succeeds, um, the platform will continue to be stable you'll continue to be able to retain client work, probably um, better client work selling, um, uh, selling Gutenberg as a, um, as a, as a benefit rather than um, um, something, something scarier, a big change. Right. So I think, 
I think we're I think we're looking at this in the wrong way. I've heard a lot of discussions at WordCamps and online and podcasts and Facebook groups and all that stuff about how Gutenberg is like is like the like Armageddon for 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 web agencies and and it's just it's just I I know I know you know maybe somebody will watch this and blast me for this but I just don't think it's true like yeah it's it's a pain in the ass to 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 change things I get it um but it's it's really frustrating uh you know when when you're a part of an open source community and people are rowing in different directions um so uh like like maybe it maybe it succeeds maybe it fails if it fails um was it you john that said uh you need to have a contingency or uh or you need to know you know what what's out there beyond wordpress that um that that should be something that everybody's doing you know i i have a i have a side hustle that runs on on wordpress um i i also know that um if if wordpress and woocommerce doesn't work well um that there are other options out there uh as well. Um, I'm, I'm not even 1% closer to looking for, um, seriously considering a new option because of, because of Gutenberg and, and the days when I used to, um, run my own small agency, uh, I, 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 every single time there was a software update and WordPress was iterating quickly then and new features were coming and new UX changes and new UI changes and all that stuff. If you remember those days when WordPress was iterating quickly, like every single time something new came out, I went back into my, my client and I said, listen, I'll train you on how to do that. This, this is going to be 125 bucks an hour or something like that. Oh, and by the way, um, this is an awesome new feature that you're going to be excited about. Right. And, and it's, I think it's about reframing how we think about this in the enterprise. It's, it's no different. Um, Like that's, that's a, that's a, this, this is a benefit in in, in my opinion. I actually think in, in the enterprise, it's probably going to be easier in some way because enterprises are accustomed to basically, you know, having their agency of record or their on staff people to maintain things on an ongoing basis and, and invest in them. And the resistance is more likely to come from the small clients uh, <coughs> who <coughs> uh, do more things themselves and, and who have <coughs> trouble kind of, you know, uh, figuring out why they should pay more money to <coughs> basically keep something, you know, to just to keep something from breaking. Um, and so I think what Mendel said about selling it as a, as a benefit is important to the degree it's possible. I mean, I think, I definitely think that I have clients who will be happy about being able to build pages out of blocks. And I have other clients who don't interact with the WordPress interface themselves as much. Maybe they have an assistant who does it. Maybe they asked me to do it. So they won't really, it won't affect them directly so much as long as nothing on their site breaks, but it does mean that to them it feels like what they're doing is paying money um, to keep something working the same. Yeah, and I, sorry, just in response to that, I, I know I know we want to get to Chris too, uh, 
But um, in response to that, yes, it's true. You, you pay money to keep something working. I don't know how many times or how, how many times it took me working with clients, um, telling them that we were upgrading the site, you know, major updates, um, that we were updating the site or, or a plugin changed um, their flow and broke something on the site. Then I had to go back to the client and I had to say, listen, um, there's been an upgrade. Your site isn't compatible and translating how that, how that upgrade and that benefit then um, benefited them, right? And, um, and, and it was hard for the first few times that I had to go back and, and say that because when you, when you approach it from the, oh, something, something broke and they, have to, and, and they have to pay needlessly to, um, to upgrade the experience, that, like, that sucks, right? But what I learned to do over time is I learned to go back and say, Listen, um, if we upgrade this plugin, um, uh, which will give you X, Y, and Z additional capabilities, it's um, it's it's going to cost you X amount of time. Now we can do it without um, paying that money, but if it breaks, then we're talking like then we're talking emergency fees and things like that, right? And every single time they're like, "Oh, there is a business benefit to this. I want to do it," right? Or occasionally they would say no. And then a week later, they're like, ah, yeah, 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 let's do it. Right. And so if we talk about Gutenberg in terms of being a modern editing experience, right. Um, and then we go to our clients and say, Hey, listen, uh, I'm, I'm going to show you how to use this modern editing experience. Um, and, and this is how much it's going to cost. Uh, I, I, I think it's, I think it's going to be a win. Sally, you can totally call bullshit too, by the way. No, I don't, I don't think that's bullshit. I think, you know, there may be some clients <coughs> who aren't uh, convinced, although I think in a lot of cases, you know, the smaller the client, the less customization they have, the less likely anything is to actually break. Um, and it, it probably won't be uh, that big a deal or, you know, that much involved with it. And, um, you know, maybe in in some cases those are are not the uh, the better clients to have. That it you know you're gonna you're gonna be happier as a developer working with people who understand the the place that their website has in their business and the fact that well there is just ongoing you know maintenance required in in anything. You know, if you own a car, you have to pay to get the oil changed and the tune ups and stuff, and your car is not getting new features from that. Uh, but if you if you don't do it, um, you know your car will stop working, um, and so I think yeah, a lot of it is about framing. It is about you know what this, <clears throat> uh, you know, part of what this article says is well, you know, uh, <clears throat> it shouldn't you know there's no reason it should be a disaster. But you have to prepare, you have to plan, you have to think about. How to roll this out? You have to talk to your clients in in advance about you know well okay well what what have you customized that's likely to be uh, affected, and <coughs> you know the 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 fact that if if you need to you know there is some time where where you can uh, hey, keep Gutenberg disabled to give you a chance to catch up on on any of those adjustments uh, <coughs> means that it's, it should be possible if you're re reasonably uh, good at conducting your business and that 
this is, uh, you know, our responsibility. And, you know, I feel glad that at least I'm not like somebody who's made a plugin that relies on a meta boxes or something that's, that's being affected. And, you know, so far as I can tell, you know, the, the major developers of plugins like ACF are on board and, and working to be sure that there will be a smooth transition for everybody and, and things will not break. Um, but I think, you know, their business is, is being affected much more than mine is. For me, it's a, a matter of learning a, a different way to help clients do the same thing, which may actually turn out to be easier. And a training piece and that you have to, if you have a customer who's already updating and creating their own blog post, there's definitely going to be a training piece to that. We don't want them to wake up one morning and go, what the heck just happened when they go to do their blog posts? So since we're on that piece, bring it home, Chris Badgett. Uh I do think that it is a planning issue. The enterprise does uh, respond very differently. I think this is actually still very much early days in, in WordPress, even though it's 30% of the internet or whatever. Around my town, when I talk to people, a lot of people have no idea what WordPress is. And with any business, there's the early adopters and the innovators, and then it gets into the majority and stuff. Where and So the way that early adopters and innovators behave is very different than the majority where the enterprise sits. The enterprise is much more risk-averse. They want to do planning. It's the people who are just kind of throwing up sites or doing sites quickly. These are the innovators. It's great. It's a part of WordPress. Uh, but the enterprise has a totally different reaction. Like if I'm, for example, selling Lifter LMS to a, a startup expert, it happens very quickly. But sometimes I get on the phone with a university or a hospital. They'll bring like seven people to the call. They'll send me like 300 row spreadsheets of requirements. The same product works, but it's just a different approach. And that's what it's like dealing with the enterprise. So they are... Um, you know, they're going to have a staging environment. They're going to test things. If there are issues, they're going to work out. Um, so that's good. I do think that WordPress itself lost a little bit of control of the narrative, which created a lot of fear in the marketplace. And that's kind of a leadership issue or a communication issue. And that's, that's a different conversation. But there's also a huge opportunity in all of this, which is uh, there's a whole opportunity for business leadership, for agencies and product companies to step up and talk about Gutenberg compatibility, create business products and services to aid in the transition. If we think back to something like Y2K compatibility, it's the exact same thing. At that time, I was not into technology. I was on top of a giant boulder in Joshua Tree, a totally different story. But the world was freaking out. This is like a much smaller version of of this, but... um, you know, somebody could start uh, something that's to help enterprise companies transition into Gutenberg, Gutenberg smoothly and just be a part of that change management. It's a huge opportunity. So that's what, those are my thoughts. Great thoughts from our round table. Before we go to our next story, I'd like to point out that our, our sponsor for this week is Intelligence WP. They are a plug-in company that helps you actually make sense, a lot more real sense of what's going on with your Google Analytics. So as opposed to just seeing a few numbers, you can dig down to really see what's performing well and how to use it for improving your site. You can find them at intelligencewp.com. Let's go on to our next story. 
All right, so we've talked about Gutenberg and the enterprise. Now, our next story talked about the theme. It was from the theme review team and, and looking at Gutenberg. And the article was interesting, but we thought the comments and some of the communication and, and discussion that came around this really uh, was interesting. And so, Sally, I'm going to have you start us off with this one, please. Okay, so I <clears throat> came across this yesterday, and let me just uh, <clears throat> pull that up here um, and read through it. And it's, it's basically about, you know, should we allow, we being the, the theme review team in, in terms of the guidelines for uh, what's acceptable in the, the WordPress repo, um, should we allow themes to include custom blocks? And most people uh, in the comments were arguing, uh, no, this leads to various kinds of, of problems and a, a lot of what the, the blocks do ought to be handled in, in plugins. Um, there was one person arguing really vociferously, somebody from a, a theme company arguing really vociferously for allowing themes to include custom blocks. And uh, it seems in a way to, to be going back to the issue of things like theme-dependent shortcodes for displaying things. In a, in a lot of ways, blocks are meant to replace shortcodes with something that is more comprehensible uh, so that, you know, because you paste a shortcode into, into your editor and it's just this like line of code and it's not very meaningless. And as we've all seen websites where they were substantially built out of shortcodes and then you turned off whatever created the shortcodes and then there was just this, you know, complete mess left. Um, and <clears throat> so, you know, there, there's certainly been a push to keep things that generate shortcodes in plugins. It seems to me it makes sense to keep the blocks in plugins. And and but then there's this sort of like, well, you know, how many types of blocks uh, might there be? You know, we're not sure at this point how many will be included in core, but there will be a, a number of them. And there are already people uh, creating plugins that make custom blocks and so on. And and somebody said that the thing that I felt I had to respond to um, was basically, uh, you know, if we're not including custom blocks, where is the, the added value that, that we're providing for themes from, you know, that themes provide other than like, you know, styling the def default that's already there. So it's like, yes, there'll be no real value proposition for <coughs> visitors, meaning I think people looking at themes apart from different styles for the same blocks. And my response was basically, so how is that different from what we have now? You know, WordPress comes with uh, certain built-in widgets, certain built-in templates, certain, and your theme creates styles for that. And people who make themes also often now create styles for, say, WooCommerce because that's so popular. Uh, or for, you know, there are themes that advertise that they have styles for, you know, Lyft or LMS or the events calendar or Instagram, you know, whatever plugin and and <clears throat> certain kinds of things. And eventually, you know, it won't happen immediately, but eventually. There are going to be certain people who make custom block plugins, and, and I'm guessing the page building companies will probably have a head start on this, whose plugins for custom blocks are super popular and used by hundreds of thousands of sites, and it will make perfect sense for theme developers to write their own styles for those blocks rather than creating their own blocks and then you know running into the, the issues of uh, content loss or at least loss of, of uh, 
you know, specific functionality assigned with things. Um, <coughs> so, uh, <coughs> you know, I, I think it's just, again, well, we're, you know, we're facing something of a transitional period, but uh, we have been through this before with WordPress, you know, oh, widgets have been introduced. Oh, custom menus have been introduced. Oh, you know, custom post types have been introduced. Oh, post formats were introduced. And, you know, for a little while, people did create, you know, custom post format styles in their themes until you know, post formats just turned out not to be very popular and, and that went away. And um, I think that uh, as a theme developer, focusing on, you know, presentation, uh, of stuff that's either produced by core or by plugins is the way to go uh, versus, you know, introducing a, a separate things. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, obviously there's a whole bunch of theme developers out there who don't feel that way because they, you know, sell themes with bundled plugins in them, but those have never been in the repo. Very good point. And Chris, since she mentioned that, you know, the styling of specific options like the style of themes for Lifter LMS are really important because people do want to have that specific look and feel. So if your comments on this, please. I think it goes back to my previous comment about um, losing control of the narrative a little bit. Mm-hmm. Part of a leadership is getting a core common language going. So we have all these things. We have widgets, we have plugins, we have themes, we have page builders, we have core, we have short codes, and now we have blocks. So are blocks meant to replace something? Are they a new tool? Are they, are they making something else sunset? Um, so part of it for me is I'm still trying to figure out, are we in a group conversation around, is, is, or is every option on the table and the WordPress community is brainstorming? Or do we have a communication issue about, what blocks are supposed to do because I, I, I just see a lot of confusion out there. Um, at the end of the day, I know Gutenberg has good intentions, but e- even me, like I need some help understanding. I need to get on this on the speed with the language and what's intended to go where, you know, I see Beaver builder as an example of release, you know, doing Gutenberg stuff. Like I think we need, just need more conversation just to understand these fundamental words. Is something going away or something replacing something or is this a new tool set? Good point. And, and I think some of it, like you said, Sally, is some of this theme stuff has been a battle with WordPress has been pretty clear with what they think themes should be. But that doesn't mean that some of these developers have treated that that way. And, you know, whether they're bundling plugins or actually some not even bundling plugins. But for example, Chris, you've seen this, uh, I'm sure. There are a few, quote, LMS themes that build the whole functionality of the LMS within the theme. Yeah. And that's well-defined as not to what themes are supposed to be within WordPress. And, of course, as you pointed out, Sally, they are not in the repository. So, uh, John or Mendel, you want to jump into this one? Oh, I'm raring to go, but, John, you can, you can do it. No, go ahead. <clears throat> you go first. I'm I'm pretty passionate about this stuff. Um, I I don't think I don't think it should be called Gutenberg. Um, I don't think it ever should have been called Gutenberg. Uh, I don't think it should have had a name. Um, I, I, this entire conversation is really about Gutenberg and not not necessarily about these articles. But I will say the article um, uh, that 
that we're that we're talking about like it, it was great right like um it's awesome that that uh that a new uh compatibility checker was or or compatibility um repository was created um i think the comments are like all internet troll comments like they're not um they're 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 a little um listen some of them are a little rude uh and and uh i i just don't like there's there's not a a big place in my heart for like rude um uh like inflammatory comments especially when it comes to something as trivial as as software like um uh, it just like i don't know i i just think it's 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 a, a little obnoxious um uh I, I don't think people I don't think people are looking with a with a positive attitude towards this project. I think they're looking at it with a negative attitude. I think that's being perpetuated by a lot of other people um, that that are saying negative things and it's and then it's um, creating this negative aura around it. Uh, that said, um, like the pro, the the repository, for um, for compatibility checking is awesome. Crowdsourcing it is awesome, um, but it shouldn't have been called Gutenberg. Uh, we we shouldn't have called it that because um, because because Gutenberg um, and and the idea behind the name created uh, a way of thinking about the software that's uh, or or this change that's inherently. Um, negative or monumental. If we just called it an editor upgrade, um, I don't know that we would have had any cycles around uh, these conversations. So um, I don't know. Again, my non-popular view on the subject. I hope, by the way, that like people don't start trolling me on on on. Tw- I hope the WordPress community doesn't like. Hey, we're gonna get we're gonna come after Mendel now, but. Um, yeah. John Locke, jump on in. No, I'm not gonna jump on him. Um I, I no, think jump on in, not on him. Oh, jump. <laughs> yeah, no. Come on, John. Come on. Beat down. Um I just yeah, from what I see in this comment section, I think it's just the theme review team is is trying to figure out like what the rules are that that apply to blocks. Because I think for the components of, of the themes, they have like certain rules, like what can be included in a, a theme on the repo and whatnot. And they're trying to figure out where blocks like falls in that. So that's, that's just what I'm seeing. So There's a lot to still be defined, I think, is what's yeah, going on there. That's basically it. And let's go ahead and wrap this one up and go to our break. It's yet another exciting conversation with our round table. We're going to go for our break now, folks. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. 
Welcome back, everybody, to the WP Tonic Roundtable. And Mendel, you never have to apologize for your opinions on this show. God knows none of the rest of us do. <laughs> exactly. That's what we're here for. Uh, popular or not, we're here to talk about what's fun and interesting in the WordPress world and online. Before we go to our next story, I just had a quick question for the group that because I do have some experts on here, I'd love to know if anyone else gets these. I've started getting these weird emails from people asking me for quotes on websites. Now remember folks, I don't develop for people anymore. So I don't know where they're finding me. And they write these messages that sound very much like they're coming from offshore. They sound very spammy with a lot of links. If this is my client and she needs a website and can you please look through these pages and give me a quote. And I've been getting a lot of them. Is this like the new link bait kind of thing to uh, drive traffic from spam emails? Has anyone gotten that? I have not gotten those. I've gotten an increasing number of like, feature our article on your website or, or write guest blog posts or, or things like that. But I, I have not gotten, you know, random inquiries about uh, <coughs> building websites. I'll, I'll stop sending them. Thank you, Mendel. But uh, yeah, I'll stop sending them to you. Okay. It was just strange. And sending me to the specific pages. You know, so I thought is like this a new way to start if you're sp sending spam emails, trying to drive traffic to a site? It could be. Have you followed any of these links and where do they go? Um, only one. It, it actually went to this person's real website and they were asking me like, how much would you charge to change it here and there? And I, I wrote them back. I said, I don't do websites. I'm sorry. I, I will say that some uh, I, I see on occasion people from uh, like Pakistan or, or India, places like that, um, that are kind of in some ways disconnected from the rest of the WordPress community um, or not as connected. Um, they'll they'll send me requests and then they'll ask me random questions. And at first, mm -hmm. I thought it was I thought it was spam. Um, it's actually people that find find your personality out there somewhere and they're like hey i got a question this person's an an expert in this wordpress thing and like um uh they they just reach out so i don't know maybe it's genuine right because um i i get random i accept like most friend requests from people on facebook now because i realize that like there are a lot of people sorry in the wordpress world because there are a lot of people that are just reaching out randomly and they're like i've seen you before I don't know how to do business. I'm graduating college. What do I, what do, I do? So Interesting. Well, I stopped doing the Facebook thing after I kept getting date offers. Now it's like, no, please. Um, but it, it, was written, it, it was written in such a way that maybe that is it because you could tell or it sounded like it was offshore, which is what made me, I didn't even like forward it, Sally, to say, well, my friend Sally develops websites or I wasn't sending it to John or anybody because it was like, so weird looking, I thought, you know, they'll be hating me because it's somebody spamming them. So I thought I would ask that before we go back to our other article. And yes, we seem to be on a Gutenberg trend today. And that's um, that 4,500 plugins need our help determining Gutenberg compatibility. John, we talked a little bit about this before uh, everybody else jumped in. So I'd like your thoughts on that. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, the, the, the main strength and, and perhaps the biggest strength and biggest weakness of the WordPress ecosystem is the plugin repo. Um, you know, my main concern with the sites that I build for clients are do certain plugins work with Gutenberg, like ACF and Gravity Forms and, and other ones like that. Um, but there are a lot of plugins in the repo that haven't been tested. Uh, so if this project is going to succeed, then, you know, they need to know uh, what plugins are actually going to be compatible with Gutenberg or not. Um, one of the things and that is a weakness of the plugin repo is, and, and I think that they're taking steps to kind of fix this, uh, is there are a lot of like plugins that aren't actively maintained anymore for whatever reason, like, um, you know, the, the original developer, maybe they just um, are doing other things or they just don't have the time or resources to do it. Um, obviously not with the top like popular plugins, but, but more ones that, that, you know, are kind of in the thousand to 2000 install range. And, it, you know, so I think that that is a concern. Um, I think this is a good effort by the community to at least, you know, say like, Hey, we've checked this one. It works. Yeah, we've checked this one. It doesn't work. Um, and I think that's a thing that the, the plugin repo, they are continuing to improve because I think they are kind of flagging ones that aren't being maintained anymore uh, at this point anyway. So yeah, that's what's going on. So. Um, Mendel, I agree with you. I, I hate seeing the negativity in some of the comments, but then if you've followed the tavern for very long, you've seen that that did not just start with Gutenberg. That's been kind of every time something happens with WordPress that a group doesn't like, things seem to get pretty nasty. So being though that so many people are taking the negative, do you think this request to help with the testing is a place where we're going to come together as a community or is it just going to be fodder for some of the trolls? No, we're not going to cut. We're, it's going to be, it's going to be like open source usually is going to be uh a, a small group of people doing most of the work. Um, and I, I, I think that people will, um, I think there'll be some people out there that, that will be kind and, and help out. Um, I think most people will be, uh, you know, checking their own plugins and making, making sure the accurate, um, the accurate classification is in there for their plugins. Um, I, I think that we'll come together as as much as we have in the past or as much as a, a, an open source community does. But um, as far as, as far as knocking out, you know, 500,000 plugins or, or what is it? 50,000 plugins, whatever it said um, in that article, I um, like people aren't in a, people aren't in a hurry to, again, the, the negativity around this, this project, people aren't in a hurry to help out on something that has has been branded from the start um, a a rebellious underdog of a change that is going to massively uh, disrupt um, business and 
and, and small, small commerce and things like that. So, uh, I don't think people are going to be in a hurry to, to, to work on it. They're active. They're, 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 they're actively kind of giving it the middle finger, right? Um, it's hard to do that and also help out with it at the same time. Um, I'll probably pop on there and, and, uh, review plugins that, um, are on my, my personal site. Right. Um, and, and maybe I'll test a couple other ones. Um, it's also kind of um, difficult, right? So the, the barrier to entry there is kind of kind of high because um, you you have to uh, you have to have a you have to have a sense that you're you're an expert. You have to have an install. You have to then go install plugins. You have to find plugins that that haven't been reviewed yet. Um, then you have to head over to that site and review, right? And so I think there's there are a lot of things in involved in it. So it's um, lower barrier to entry than like contributing to core, but a higher barrier than just, um, yeah, all my plugins work. It'd be cool if Gutenberg did some sort of like um, overlay or some sort of like indicator on each one of your plugin settings screens or something like that, where, where it just asks a simple question, um, have you seen any issues with this plugin and Gutenberg, right? And then we would start seeing like like average polling and things like that from from the community at large. I think that people would actually contribute to. So, I like that idea. Mendel and raises a good point about the the difficulty of contributing. I mean, we've <laughs> run a, a three or four contributor days now at our our meetup and. What we've often found is that just for people to get set up to contribute takes like the first hour and a half <laughs> um, if they haven't done it before. And it, it's kind of confusing. And in a way, our, our last one was probably the most successful because we were all testing Gutenberg on a test site that I'd already set up for, for everyone. Um, and so the main thing was for, for people to get on the, the GitHub channel or the, the Slack channel to, you know, to make some... Uh, some comments and I think you know in, in some areas it, it, I don't know if you can really erase the, the barrier to contributing and and in others it, you know <clears throat> maybe it would be I do think the people who complain and the people who contribute are not usually the same ones um, so that you know if you hear um, a complaint or a concern from somebody who really has uh, done a lot of contributing and been heavily involved that carries a lot more weight than you know folks who just seem to like to whine um, but you know when I first saw this headline I thought didn't they miss a, a decimal place <laughs> because they're talking about basically the top 4,500 you know 5,000 plugins there are there are something like 50,000 plugins in in the repo and th they are not uh, <clears throat> suggesting that that we attempt to you know uh, to test all of them you know the ones that have 10 installs or, or or whatever but the ones that you know a substantial number of the community uses will need testing and i think most of those plugins will be tested to to or at least i'd say you know the top 100 or so um you know will be tested by the folks who develop them um but in in some cases there are going to be plugins where it needs testing and you know external testing is usually 
helpful because sometimes, you know, the person who builds something uh, knows how to use it and, and uh, doesn't necessarily know how somebody who doesn't know how to use it is, is going to interact with it. Um, Absolutely. And because of that, in a minute, I want to go over to Chris <laughs> because you are our plugin developer. So I know you're having to do this testing. I think the other reason we, that makes testing challenging and still needing external is sometimes it's not specifically this plugin working with this, but other plugins that might be installed. None of us have the exact same installation. And so, Chris, I know you have a plugin and it integrates with other plugins like BB Press. So it's, it's even a bigger picture, isn't it, than my plugin and Gutenberg? Absolutely. There's a lot of different uh, configurations that people have. And to John's point earlier, the, uh, the strength of WordPress and its growth and adoption is the plugin community, in my opinion. And uh, I like Mendel's tip on having something on this plugin settings screen if somebody has um, Gutenberg installed. I think that where it might ask a question or whatever, I think what we're missing here is a little bit more of a proactive approach to getting ready for Gutenberg. And, it, and this is a great step, what this, this person is doing with crowdsourcing the testing. But I think that it could be even better in terms of if we are again, contrib uh, author, contributor, or whatever. And I think uh, a lot of the fear around the issue is this whole issue of compatibility. Uh, and when I'm not sure where the conversation emerged, it'd be interesting to trace it back. But the idea of like a WordPress classic versus Gutenberg moving forward or whatever, and there's going to be a break, that's what scares people. And so if that conversation around classic, this open source software tool has always been um, backwards compatible, but there is in fact going to be a break here, that's sort of what creates all this fear. But that's something you can really get in front of with some proactive leadership around testing. And of course, a lot of the, the WordPress community stuff is free and community driven. Uh, we've had Gutenberg installed for a long time and we're testing it. Um, and, you know, it's changed how we think about future product roadmap, which is awesome. And we're just we're doing it on our own. And it's not that we don't expect too much because we get so much benefit for free from the WordPress community. But um, you know, we're doing our part, but I think there are, there is more that could be done at a, a core level around just the WordPress leadership and making, being a little bit more proactive around uh, compatibility. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, we went really long on last week's show. So we're coming up on a 50-minute show. I'm going to tie it up a little early this week because I, I think people were going to sleep last week. Uh, at least you guys who were uh, being interviewed, I can see your faces as I was in Facebook. Um, so we're going to wrap it up. We will go the opposite direction to tell us where they can find you. John Locke. You can find me at my website, which is Lockdown Design. Uh, on Twitter, I'm Lockdown underscore Facebook and LinkedIn. Just... Look for Lockdown Design. Thank you. Mendel. Hi. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, hit me up at if you will it, at if you will it on Twitter, on Facebook, on, oh, you can Skype me, but I don't, I don't 
Turn on Skype. Oh, and uh, head over to uh, GoDaddy.com slash pro if you're interested in the stuff that I am looking at and playing with and 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 helping out with at GoDaddy. It's cool stuff. So. Thank you. Chris? Uh, you can find me at LifterLMS.com. Uh, also on my podcast called LMS Cast. And I'm always experimenting and trying new things. One of the things I like to do is do the opposite of what a lot of people are doing. Uh, and one of that is just to test it, just to test ideas. And one of the things I'm doing is I put a link on my Twitter profile. If you want to schedule a 15 minute call with me, I'm not, I'm not making it difficult to get in touch with me. It's at Chris Badgett. And if anybody watching this wants to chat, I'd love to connect and see how we might collaborate. Thank you for that. Sally? You can find me at WPFangirl.com. The meetup is at eastbaywp.com. I am at Sally Getch on Twitter. And if you can spell my name, you will find me. I am unique in Google. Thank you. And I'm Kim Shivler sitting in for Jonathan Denwood. You can find Jonathan at wp-tonic.com. And you can find me at kimshivler.com. Join us next Wednesday as we interview someone interesting in the WordPress community. And next Friday as our roundtable gets back to together to discuss whatever the news is the next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.